Chapter Seven, Part One of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue. Chapter Seven, Part One. An Evening at the Farm. Perhaps a more gratifying sight does not exist than the interior of a large farm kitchen prepared for the evening meal, especially during the winter season. Its bright wood fire, the long table covered with the savory smoking dishes the huge tankards of foaming beer or cider with the happy countenances scattered around speak of peaceful labour and healthful industry the farm kitchen of bouqueval was a fine exemplification of this remark its immense open chimney about six feet high and eight feet wide resembled the yawning mouth of some huge oven on the hearth blazed and sparkled enormous logs of beech or oak and from this prodigious brazier there issued forth such a body of light as well as heat that the large lamp suspended from the centre beam sunk into insignificance and was rendered nearly useless every variety of culinary utensils sparkling in all the brightness of the most elaborate cleanliness and composed invariably of copper brass and tin glowed in the bright radiance of the winter fire as they stood ranged with the utmost nicety and effect on their appropriate shelves an old-fashioned cistern of elaborately polished copper showed its bright face polished as a mirror and close beside stood a highly polished bread trough and cover composed of walnut tree wood rubbed by the hand of housewifery till you could see your face in it and from which issued a most tempting smell of hot bread a long and substantial table occupied the centre of the kitchen a tablecloth which though coarse in texture vied with the falling snow for whiteness covered its entire length while for each expected guest was placed an earthenware plate brown without but white within and by its side a knife fork and spoon lustrous as silver itself in the midst of the table an immense tureen of vegetable soup smoked like the crater of a volcano and diffused its savoury vapours over a dish of ham and greens flanked by a most formidable array of mutton most relishly stewed with onions and potatoes below was placed a large joint of roast veal followed by two great plates of winter salad supported by a couple of baskets of apples and a similar number of cheeses completed the arrangements of the table three or four stone pitchers filled with sparkling cider and a like quantity of loaves of brown bread equal in size to the stones of a windmill were placed at the discretionary use of the supping party an old shaggy black shepherd dog almost toothless the superannuated patriarch of all the canine tribe employed on the farm was by reason of his great age and long services indulged with permission to enjoy the cheering warmth of the chimney corner but using his privilege with the utmost modesty and discretion this venerable servitor who answered to the pastoral name of lysander lay quietly stretched out in a secure side nook his nose resting on his paws watching with the deepest attention the various culinary preparations which preceded the supper the bill of fare thus presented to the reader as the ordinary mode of living at the farm of bouqueval may strike some of our readers as unnecessarily sumptuous but madame georges faithfully following out the wishes of rodolphe endeavoured by all possible means to improve the comforts of the labourers on the farm who were always selected as being the most worthy and industrious individuals of their district they were well paid liberally treated and so kindly used that to be engaged on the bouqueval farm was the highest ambition of all the best labourers in that part of the country an ambition which most essentially promoted the welfare and advantage of the masters they then served 
for no applicant for employment at bouqueval could obtain a favourable hearing unless he came provided with most satisfactory testimonials from his last employer thus though on a very small scale had rodolph created a species of model farm which had for its aim not only the improvement of animals in agricultural operations but above all improving the nature of man himself and this he effected by making it worth their while to be active honest and intelligent after having completed all the preparations for supper and placed on the table a jug of wine to accompany the dessert the farm cook sounded the welcome tocsin which told all that the cheering meal was prepared and their evening toil concluded they might freely enjoy the delights of wholesome and temperate refreshment ere the sound had ceased to vibrate on the ear a merry joyous throng composed of men and maidens to the number of twelve or fifteen crowded around the table the men had open manly countenances the women looked healthy and good-humoured while the young girls belonging to the party wore the brightest glow of youth and innocence every face was lighted up with frank gaiety content and the satisfaction arising from the consciousness of having well fulfilled one's duty thus happily prepared in mind and body to do justice to the excellent fare set before them the happy party took their appointed places at table the upper end was occupied by an old white-haired labourer whose fine bold yet sensible expression of face bespoke him a descendant of the ancient gaulish mothers of the soil father chatelain for so was this nestor called had worked on the farm from his early childhood when rodolph purchased the farm the old servant had been strongly recommended to him and he was forthwith raised to the rank of overlooker and under the orders of madame georges general superintendent of all outdoor work and unbounded indeed was the influence possessed by father chatelet by virtue of his age his knowledge and experience every one having taken their seat father chatelet having fervently invoked a blessing then in pursuance of an ancient and pious custom marked one of the loaves with the figure of a cross and cut off a large slice as the share of the virgin or the poor then pouring out a glass of wine with a similar consecration to charitable purposes he reverently placed both bread and wine on a plate placed in the centre of the table purposely to receive them at this moment the yard-dogs barked furiously old lysander replied by a low growl and curling back his upper lip displayed two or three still formidable fangs some person is passing near the wall of the courtyard observed father chatelet scarcely had the words been uttered than the bell of the great gate sounded who can this possibly be at so late an hour said the old labourer every one belonging to the place is in go and see who it is jean rené the individual thus addressed was a stout able-bodied young labourer on the farm who was then busily employed blowing his scalding hot soup with a force of lungs that aeolus himself might have envied but used to prompt obedience in a moment the half-raised spoon was deposited in its place and half stifling a sigh of regret he departed on his errand this is the first time our good madame georges and mademoiselle marie have failed paying a visit to the warm chimney-corner and looking on whilst we took our supper for this long time said father chatelain i am hungry as a hunter but i shall not relish my supper half so well madame georges is in the chamber of mademoiselle marie who found herself somewhat indisposed on her return from escorting monsieur le cure to the rectory replied claudine the girl who had conducted la goualeuse back from the rectory and thus unconsciously frustrated the evil designs of the chouette 
i trust mademoiselle marie is only indisposed not seriously ill is she claudine inquired the old man with almost paternal anxiety oh dear no father chatelain god forbid i hope and believe our dear mademoiselle is only just a little struck with the cold of the night and her walk perhaps fatigued her i trust she will be quite well by to-morrow indeed madame georges told me as much and said that if she had had any fears she should have sent to paris for m david the negro doctor who took such care of mademoiselle when she was so ill well i cannot make out how any one can endure a black doctor for my part i should not have the slightest confidence in anything he said or did no no if one must have a doctor let it be a christian man with a white skin but a downright blackamoor oh saints above why the very sight of him by my bedside would kill me but did not this monsieur david cure mademoiselle marie from the long illness with which she suffered when she first came here inquired the old man yes father chatelain he certainly did well ah but for all that father chatelain a doctor with a black face is enough to terrify any one i should scream myself into fits if he were to come rolling up the great whites of his eyes at me but is it not this monsieur david the same person who cured dame anica of that dreadful wound in her leg which had confined her to her bed for upward of three years yes exactly so father chatelain he certainly did set old dame anica up again well then my child nay but only think a black man and when one is ill too when one can so ill bear up against such horrid things if he were only a little dark or even deep brown but quite quite a black all black oh father chatelain i really cannot bring myself to think of it tell me my child what colour is your favourite heifer musette oh white white as a swan father chatelain and such a milcher i can say that for the poor thing without the least falsehood a better cow we have not got on the farm and your other favourite rosette rosette oh she is as black as a raven not one white hair about her i should say and indeed to do her justice she is a first-rate milcher also i hardly know which is the best she or my pretty musette and what coloured milk does she give why white of course father chatelain i really thought you knew that is her milk as white and as good as the milk of your snowy pet musette every bit as good in colour and quality although rosette is a black cow to be sure why father chatelain what difference can it possibly make to the milk whether the cow that gives it is black white red or brown how then my good girl can it in any way signify whether a doctor has a black or white skin or what his complexion may be well answered claudine fairly hunted into a corner from which no argument could rescue her well as regards what makes a black doctor not so good as a white one it is it is because a black skin is so very ugly to look at and a white one is so much more agreeable to one's eyes i'm sure i can't think of any other reason father chatelain if i try for ever but with cows the colour of the skin makes not the very least difference of that you may be assured but then you know there's a deal of difference between a cow and a man these not very clear physiognomical reflections of claudine touching the effect of light or dark skins in the human and animal race were interrupted by the return of jean rene 
blowing his fingers with animation as he had before blown his soup oh how cold how cold it is this night he exclaimed on entering it is enough to freeze one to death it is a pretty deal more snug and comfortable indoors than out this bitter night oh how cold it is why the frost that cometh from north and east biteth the most and ceaseth the least don't you know that my lad said the old superintendent chatelet but who was it that rang so late a poor blind man and a boy who leads him about father chatelet and what does this poor blind man want inquired chatelet the poor man and his son were going by the cross-road to louvre and have lost themselves in the snow and as the cold is enough to turn a man into an icicle and the night is pitch dark the poor blind father has come to entreat permission for himself and lad to pass the night on the farm he says he shall be for ever thankful for leave to lie on a little straw under a hovel or in any outbuilding oh as for that i am quite sure that madame georges who never refuses charity to any unfortunate being will willingly permit them to do so but we must first acquaint her with it go claudine and tell her the whole story claudine disappeared and where is this poor man waiting asked father chatelain in the little barn just by but why in the barn why put him there bless you if i had left him in the yard the dogs would have eaten him up alive why father chatelain it was no use for me to call out quiet medor come here turk down sultan i never saw dogs in such a fury and besides we don't use our dogs on the farm to fly at poor folks as they are trained to do at other places well my lads it seems that the share for the poor has not been laid aside in vain to-night but try and sit a little closer there that'll do now put two more plates and knives and forks for this blind traveller and his boy for i feel quite certain what madame georges answer will be and that she will desire them to be housed here for the night it is really a thing i can't make out said jean rené about the dogs being so very violent especially turk who went with claudine this evening to the rectory why when i stroked him to try and pacify him i felt his coat standing up on end like so many bristles of a porcupine now what do you say to that eh father chatelain you know almost everything why my lad i who know everything say just this that the beasts know far more than i do and can see farther i remember in the autumn when the heavy rains had so swollen the little river i was returning with my team horses one dark night i was riding upon cuckoo the old roan horse and deuce take me if i could make out any spot it would be safe to wade through for the night was as dark as the mouth of a pit well i threw the bridle on old cuckoo's back and he soon found what i'll answer for it none of us could have discovered now who taught the dumb brute to know the safe from the unsafe parts of the stream let me ask you ay father chatelain that's what i was waiting to ask you who taught the old roan to discover danger and escape from it so cleverly the same almighty wisdom which instructs the swallow to build in our chimneys and guides the marchant to make his nest among the reeds of our banks my lad well claudine said the ancient oracle of the kitchen to the blooming dairymaid who just then entered 
bearing on her arms two pairs of snowy white sheets from which an odoriferous smell of sage and thyme was wafted along well i make no doubt but madame georges has sent permission for these poor creatures the blind man and his child to sleep here has she not these sheets are to prepare beds for them in the little room at the end of the passage said claudine go and bid them come in then jean rené and you claudine my good girl put a couple of chairs near the fire they will be glad of a good warm before sitting down to table the furious barking of the dogs was now renewed mingled with the voice of jean rené who was endeavouring to pacify them the door of the kitchen was abruptly opened and the schoolmaster and tortillard entered with as much precipitation as though they feared a pursuit from some dangerous foe for the love of heaven keep off your dogs cried the schoolmaster in the utmost terror they have been trying to bite us they have torn a great bit out of my blouse whined tortillard shivering with cold and pale with fear don't be frightened good man said jean rené shutting the door securely but i never before saw our dogs in such a perfect fury it must be the cold makes them so spiteful perhaps being half frozen they fancied biting you would serve to warm them there is no knowing what mere animals may mean by what they do why are you going to begin too exclaimed the old farmer as lysander who had hitherto lain perfectly happy in the radiance of the glowing fire started up and growling fiercely was about to fly at the strangers this old dog is quiet enough but having heard the other dogs make such a furious noise he thinks he must do the same will you lie down and be quiet you old brute do you hear sir lie down End of chapter seven part one read by celine major